0: Uh, as we're kind of in between season, I, I wanted to, to do a text that, that's my favorite text. Uh, it's not really time to begin a new series. That'll happen next week, and we're, we're not really Christmas still. So uh, I want to do my favorite text, and, and it's actually the very first text that I ever taught at Aspen Grove. Um, and so I'm going to put it on the screen. We're going to read it and talk about it, and what the kids will do and are doing will, uh, will, will come to light soon. The text is from Matthew chapter 25. So if you know anything about Matthew, chapter 25 is really like almost the end. Uh, Jesus is about to be anointed. He's about to have the last supper. Uh, In the next chapters, he's going to be arrested. And then comes the crucifixion and the resurrection and all of those pieces. But Matthew 25 is really, in, in a lot of ways, Jesus' last words. And in chapter 25, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and the coming of the kingdom of God. And he tells three parables. The first parable is about some bridesmaids. Do you guys remember this one? There are 10 bridesmaids and five are ready for the bridegroom to come and five are not. And that parable is all about keeping watch. It's the perfect advent parable. It says, Keep watch at the end, for you don't know the day or the hour of my return. The second parable is a parable of uh, uh, some servants and a master. Do you guys remember this? The master goes away on a long journey and he gives his servants talents, he gives them great sums of wealth. And because one day he's going to return and he's going to ask each of his servants to give an account. And all of, this, all of these parables are in the context of the coming of the kingdom of God. And then you get to the end of Matthew 25, and here's the one that he shares. As if to make things even, even clearer, Jesus himself says, But when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all of the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All right, so do you get the, do you get the, the picture here? I mean, this is big, second coming, kingdom, throne. It's the moment that the scripture says that everyone will know. Like, maybe right now there are people, I don't know what, if there's a God or not. Like, in this moment, everybody will know, right? Every knee will bow. That's the moment he's talking about. And he says, all the nations will be gathered in his presence. And he will separate the people as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, He will place the sheep on his right hands and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of this world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison. And you visited me. Then the righteous on the right hand will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? Or a stranger and show you hospitality? Or, or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you... We're doing it for me. Then the king will turn to those on his left, the unruly goats, and say, away with you, you cursed ones into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his demons. Does that verse get your attention at all? Which side do you want to be on? Let's be on this side, okay? Is away from me, for I was hungry and you didn't feed me. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't invite me into your home. I was naked and you didn't give me clothing. I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And the people on the left will cry out, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and not help you? And he will answer, I tell you the truth. When you refused to help the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were refusing to help me. And they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous will go into eternal life. Striking story, isn't it? Like, I mean, this is, this is pretty graphic, it's very visual uh, in in this great kind of style of writing. There's there's tons of repetition. When did we see you? When did we see you? When did we see you, hungry or naked or thirsty or in prison or sick? When did you like? He repeats this refrain again and again. All of it to give weight and kind of kind of drive the message home. And it invites us. It, this is this powerful. It, it's almost more prophecy than than parable but it invites us to see a different kingdom. Do you see that? Jesus, in this great prophecy, says, you know, I know sometimes you think of this whole kingdom of God thing as this place far away, somewhere else. It's never, never land. You know, like it's, maybe it's out there in some future, in some way, shape, or form, but it seems really, frankly, it just seems far away. And Jesus takes all that that kingdom vision is and says, okay, what if it was right here in your neighborhood? Do you see that? He takes this this kingdom idea that seems far and distant and, I mean, it's not something we think about all the time and he brings it and he puts it right in our kitchen. He says, the kingdom is not far away, but close, the kingdom is here. I love the story of um, Abbey Pierre. He was a, a, a French uh, Catholic priest in, in Paris. The the early part of the nineteen hundreds, early to mid nineteen hundreds. He started a, an emmaus movement. I don't I don't know if you know that in the in the Catholic Church. Just just a really important character in, in caring for the poor and the sick and the needy of a city. And 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 one of the things that uh, one of the great stories of of Abbey Pierre was that he was walking home one night and he saw a family out in the cold Paris streets. It was snowing and, and he found this homeless family that, that were almost frozen to death. And he gathers up this freezing family and he goes to take them into his own home, but is it, actually the truth is his own home was already full to capacity with others that he had brought in off the street. And there was nowhere even in his house to put and house this family And so he thinks, what am I going to do with this family? And he goes to the chapel. And he opens the doors of the chapel and he goes in and he removes the sacred icons and elements. He removes the sacred Eucharist and he takes all of these sacred elements of the church and he puts them in the unheated attic. He pushes the altar out of the way. And he makes room for this frozen family to come and to lie down. Well, his brothers in the church hear about what he has done to the sacred elements of the church. How can you put the Eucharist in, in the un, unheated, cold attic up there? How can you let this family come in and take the place of the altar? And Abby Pierre said... The sacred Eucharist is not cold, but Christ in the body of these children is. How are you guys doing? Anybody missing a name tag? All right, kids, you guys can go take a seat. You did amazing. We're just saying about Emmanuel, right? Like, the, like it's, it's not really Jesus' name. It's, it's more of a title. It's who he was. It means God with us. And in Matthew 25, that's exactly the sentiment that, that Jesus shares. Like, like, this idea, it's in Matthew 25, the people on the left are, are, are kind of actually like, God really is with us. How does that make you feel? God with us. I mean, it's a great sentiment to sing about, but is that really something we really want? God with us when our team scores. God with us when our team loses. <laughs> what if Jesus were in the room with us right now. I love what Brennan Manning says about this. He says, right now, the Lord is in the person next to you. The Lord is in the person in front of you. The Lord is in the person behind you. And when you go home tonight and open the door of your home, the Lord will be present in each person there. Sometimes he's buried there. Sometimes he's bound hand and foot there. But he is there. And you and I, my friend, have been given the gift of faith to detect his presence there. And the Holy Spirit has been poured out into our hearts that we might love him there because the meaning of our religion is love. You see, Jesus even said, like, that's, that's kind of how you're to be known. That's what he says in John chapter 13, verses uh, 34 and 35. He says, let me rewrite the script for you. He said, I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my what? He says like your love for each other, the way you interact with each other will become the identifying marks. I don't, I don't know if it's like your team sweatshirt or tattoo, but like, like this is how people will know who you are. They'll, they'll know who you are because of your love. They'll know that you belong to me because of your love. And Jesus takes this to, to really uncomfortable extremes. In Matthew chapter 5 this this same book Matthew gives this account of of people coming to church to place their sit, their sacrifices before the sacred altar and Jesus stops them and says look 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 if you're harboring some sort of like anger or resentment, or if, or if you owe a debt to somebody else, man, you should really go and reconcile with them. Just, just set your offering down for a minute and go and reconcile with them before you show up at church. Do you see that? Like before you, you, you know, you put on your nice church clothes, make amends, and he said, "That's how you are to be known." And and I think in in some simple ways, it's just a calling to friendship, right? I think we're supposed to be friendly. I know some of you just like died in your seat a little bit. I I think that I think that honors Christ when we're friendly. I I think sometimes Christians are like we get real fiery and passionate, but, but sometimes like we go way too far. And some of you maybe have even experienced like we try to convert people by concussion. Have you ever seen that? Like we're just going to get on people's case so much. We're just going to beat them to death with the Bible and all of the things that they've wrong. Man, I, I think that pays, a, I, I think that, that that's a real injustice to, to those people, right? I, I think honestly, I think it's pretty disrespectful When I, I think Jesus is, you know, really the path I want you, for you, is a path of friendship. It's a path of dignity. It's a path of, I, I think when we don't beat people up with our faith, I think I think that's actually like a responsible, dignified thing. I love this quote that I found. It says, it's quite simply... Our deep gratitude to Jesus Christ is manifested neither in being chaste or honest or sober and respectable. It's, our, our, our deep gratitude for Jesus Christ isn't manifested in church-going, Bible-toting, and psalm-singing. But our deep gratitude to Jesus Christ is in our deep and delicate Respect for one another. The way we are with others, Matthew 25 in a nutshell, the way we are with others is the truest test of our faith. And some of you are thinking, man, I don't know how to love my neighbor. My neighbor's a real jerk. Well, you're going to love what Jesus has to say about your relationship with your enemy. And whenever I give this teaching, there's always somebody that comes up to me afterward and says, well, you don't know my mother-in-law. And I'm like, okay. It's been a while now, but... um, some mornings I just, I, I try to come into the office pretty early. So we have a college that beats here, uses the space during the week. And we have other groups in and out of the space. And we've, we've got a great, great staff that's coming and they're in and out. But, but for me, I, sometimes I need my, my quiet time, my study time, my prayer time. You know, just I, I need that space. It's a part of my routine. It's a part of my day. And so some mornings I come in, I come in extra early, because I want to be here when nobody's here, because that's, frankly, I can just be more productive sometimes in that space. And and I just, you know, it just become a place that that's sacred to me. I, I just really cherish that space. And it's been a couple of months, but uh, I, I, I had come into the office early and, you know, all the lights are out in the building and no one's here. And, and I go in my office and there's this one spot I always sit on my couch. If you ever seen like, so I like, there's a couch and I just kind of, I got my coffee and I got my Bible and I got myself all nuzzled in and I'm ready for me and God to do our thing. And the doorbell rings. So we, we keep our doors locked just for security stuff, but we've got a doorbell on the front door. And, and I mean, it's, early, and I'm sitting here, and I've got my, and and usually, like, if the school is here or my assistant's here, usually one of them goes and gets the door and and that kind of thing. But it's just, I know it's just me. I know no one else is here. And I'm sitting here, and I'm like, and it rings again. I put my coffee down, put my Bible down. If I had a dog, I would have kicked it. You know, like, I just, I I go to the front door and I know it's not somebody for me, you know, I'm mumbling and grumbling and like, this is my, this is my time. I go to the front door and there's, uh, I I won't tell you who it was, but there's some people at the door and and I'm like, okay, they're here for the college. They're here for something for the the Christian college that meets here. They need something for the college. And sure enough, I open the door and they come in and they need something from one of the professors here at the college and all of this kind of stuff. And, and I will tell, I want to preface this and say, I was not rude, but I wasn't the most, like, I wasn't the pastor you see with all the lights on, right? Like, I maybe wasn't the most kind, but I was kind of like, let's hurry up. Let's get this over with. I'm trying to get back to my, my space is really important. And so I'm just kind of hurrying them on. And this person who walked through the door on the way out goes, man, I really loved your teaching on Sunday. Daggers. I wish we had a, like a I don't know if maybe I don't know if we can invent an app for this or what, but you know your car has a fuel gauge of when you're when you're running low on gas, it's time to fill up. I wish I wish somehow we could invent a love gauge, There's some way for us to measure because in that moment my love gauge was was pretty low. And I wish there was an opportunity like okay, what I wish I had some sort of warning sign. And and so maybe I just want to give you a, a couple of love low love warning signs. There's there's some signals out there, like if, if I could give you some signals that maybe your love is running a little bit low and maybe it's time to fill that thing back up a little bit. What are what are some l- low love warning signs? Um in uh, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, there's there's like the book, and then there's the big book. I don't know if some of you know this, but like in the big book, one of the one of the things they give, uh, uh, and one of the things they talk about pretty pretty regularly is the acronym Halt. H A L T, and H uh, A L T. Halt is just kind of the it's one of these you know warning signs of hey slow down you. When you get to this place, the acronym HALT, like you, it's just a warning of, hey, this, this makes you really susceptible to taking a drink or turning back to alcohol or one of those unhealthy behaviors. So, so they want you to HALT. And, and the acronym HALT stands for Hungry, Angry, Lonely, or Tired. And they say, you know, if you are hungry, angry, lonely, and tired, you need to HALT because you're, you're in a dangerous situation. Place it just makes you susceptible to to turning to a drink or turning to something else. Like like just halt. And, and man, I I thought that that I think that's so applicable even for our love levels. Hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. If that's you, I, I think the potential for you to be really loving is probably pretty slim. So I just want to make you aware of that. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not hungry, angry, lonely, or tired for you. What is it for you? That, that's a healthy question, right? What, what would cause your love to run low? What are, those, what are those things that cause it to run low? Maybe it's something that happened in your history. Maybe it's just you haven't had your coffee yet, right? What is it that causes your love to run low? Ask yourself, even even right now, as you just sit in sit in this place, like, like where where is your love fuel gauge at in this moment? Some of you just had cri- family Christmases, so I know. <laughs> Maybe kind of low. <laughs> May have been tested. What prevents you from loving as, as maybe you would or could or should. Um, for me that morning, it was just, you know, I just kind of had, I was just kind of prioritizing, prioritizing me and my stuff and my space and what I needed. And, you know, it was easy for me to get wrapped up in, you know, my greatness. Um, I'll tell you, if, if you're habitually tired Love is going to be really hard for you. And, and I see a lot of people that are just flat out tired. In, in every way you can, you can be tired. So I, I meet people who are, who are just flat out tired. Uh, I know a great a couple of uh, awesome healthy yoga people here at our church that can help you with that. But if you, if you're just habitually tired, I, I think honestly you're just going to be habitually unloving. I think another uh, like love warning sign, a, a low love warning sign is is and, and this one is maybe just a little bit different, but it's it's lack of love of self. Even Jesus said, you know, I want you to love your neighbor as." what yourself like i it's easy for me to skip i skip that i skip that last part sometimes maybe maybe you're like me you know i i even told i told the worship team before we came in i said you know i felt like you know god's love is like overwhelming and unending and you know, it, it, it happens without us having to do anything in your state of grace and disgrace. God loves you. But I, I think I, like my love gate to ex, accept all of that love is pretty narrow generally. Like I only open the, the, the gate of love or how much love I'm going to accept. Kind of based on how much love I think I deserve. Any of you ever do that? Honestly, that's pretty faithless. But we do it. What I would encourage you this morning is to maybe open your love gate. Allow yourself to be loved. Let me say that again just for the guys. Allow yourself to be loved. We're too much. I don't need that. Allow yourself to be loved. I've got this great friend. Uh, he was, a, uh, he, he was a, a, a pro golfer and all this stuff, and we would go and play golf together sometimes, and man, it was just, oh, it was just horrible because I'm not good at golf <laughs> despite my best efforts, and he's a pro. I mean, I played with him one time on a public course, and he set the course record without trying. And, and so he's trying to teach me, and man, I'm just getting so angry. What, halt? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just getting so angry because, man, everything I'm trying, and it's not working, and it's not coming, and it's not clicking because I'm not coordinated. <laughs> you know, it's just not working. And one of the things he told me has stuck with me. He said, be gentle with Adam. Oh, I don't need that. Man, that that has become such an important thing. How many of you are putting so much pressure on yourselves, so much weight on your own shoulders, so much, you know what I'm saying, holding on to so many things. Like, Like, just insert your own name. Be gentle with. Be gentle with yourself and 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 really this is an important thing because i think like like your capacity to love others to pay attention to you know if you're ever going to notice the sick or the naked or the hungry or the imprisoned or or whoever if you're ever like like your capacity to meet those needs and serve those lies in direct proportion to your ability to love yourself do you believe that like i don't think you can love others more than you love yourself think about that I love this quote from Father Adrian von Kahn. He says, gentleness toward my precious, fragile self as called forth uniquely by God constitutes the core of my gentleness with others. And it is also the main condition of my presence to God. If you're gonna be gentle with others, you have to be gentle with yourself yourself. When I was in uh, uh, the Dallas Fort Worth area, I got to work uh, a couple of times, take groups of teenagers to work with this group called the Missionaries of Charity. You guys ever hear the Missionaries of Charity? The Missionaries of Charity is Mother Teresa's order that operates all around the world. And so I, I, a couple of times, and, and Mother Teresa's order, as you could imagine, if you guys, man, it seems like she's been gone a long time, so I want to keep her memory alive a little bit. But uh, Mother Teresa's order is commissioned to serve the poorest of the poor in and around the world. And I got to go a couple of times and, and serve alongside these fiery, feisty Nuns, <laughs> uh, one of which was from Costa Rica, who uh, I met her, and two seconds later she said, You know, I'm from Costa Rica, and in Costa Rica we would call you a coconut tree. I'm like, Oh, awesome. <laughs> Fill in the love. <laughs> But it was an, it was just an amazing experience to serve aside, alongside them and and if you haven't spent any time and in, invested in in learning about Mother Teresa and who she was, man, this this is a worthwhile thing. It's a worthwhile endeavor for you because she spent her life serving the poorest of the poor, the dying, the abandoned, the 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 HIV, and and really a, an amazing story of kind of going and being. Uh, cloistered literally in a church and, and leaving, going outside the walls of the church to find the sick and the dying on the street. She was asked one time, like, how can you stand it? You know, how, how can you stand the, all of the sickness and, and the, the decay? You know, these, these are dirty people. Some of them have even the stench of death on them. How can you stand it? And Mother Teresa said, she said, you know, she said, all of that that you just described is all but an ingenious disguise. For in each dirty face, she saw the face of Jesus. Matthew 25. She says, we serve the poor because they are Jesus. I love the question. Uh, a businessman once asked Mother Teresa, and this is pretty pretty popular. So you've probably heard it already. But a businessman once approached Mother Teresa, and, and it's kind of like in the scope of everything Mother Teresa has done, you know, like in, in the scope of her life, which feels really big and and overwhelming and and uncomparable, like. This businessman, uh, like, uh, I'll give some examples. Like, the Pope one time gave Mother Teresa a car so it'd be easier for her to get around and serve all of those people. She took the car, said, Thank you, sold it, gave all the money to the poor. Uh, Mother Teresa won the Nobel Prize. Uh, With that prize comes a million dollars, I think. She took all the money, she gave it to the poor. And so this businessman came to Mother Teresa kind of in light of like all of this that she had done and stood for. And in light of all of this, he asked her, how much should I give? Sounds like a rich man's question. How much should I give? And and I want you to just picture like this, this old, feisty, fiery grandmother because that's what Mother Teresa was. I want you to just picture this fiery grandmother. She tells this businessman, she says, I am your mother. I take this concern away from you. Only grow in love and compassion. I take it away from you. Don't worry about how much you should give. Only grow in love and and compassion. How many of you are still trying to find the perfect resolution for 2019? Only grow in love and compassion. You may have noticed this morning that a Uh, We we skipped an important part of our our time together. Anybody notice we skipped Hug and Howdy? Yeah. Yeah. So this is kind of what I did was I hijacked Hug and Howdy a little bit. And and what I'm going to do is I'm just going to invite you into a new space. So uh, in just a moment, I'm going to say a prayer and we have the, the tables for communion set up around the room and the elements of communion are there. It's an important, crazy important part of our tradition. But as you take communion this morning, I'm going to invite you into what the early church called the Agape Feast. So when the early church got together, they would have communion, but it extended beyond that. It, it was, uh, uh, they called it Agape Feast, they called it the Love Feast. And what it was, was just a time to get together and it was a time to fellowship. It was a time to share. Uh, of course, they shared communion with each other, but mostly it was a time to love each other. They recognized that the meal times of Jesus were these incredibly loving, inviting, inclusive moments. And so here's what I want to do. I'm going to say a prayer in a moment. I'm going to send you, I want you to take communion. And, and we've got our kids with us today, which I think is really fun and special. And so this is a great time to talk to them about kind of communion and baptism and what that means. But, but in this space, which I know has sometimes turned into my personal, quiet, private time, I want you to agape each other. All right. Repeat after me these three words. I love you. In this space, I want you to use those words. Some of you just got too cool for school. I just saw it on your face. Well, I haven't, I don't, I just, all of your insecurities just bubble to the surface. And, and honestly, like if that's you, that's why you need this. Like our, you know who's gonna be great at this? All of our kids. Our kids are great at this. They can say, I love you and mean it and not hang anything else on it. And that's exactly what I invite you to do. As you, I want you to hug each other. I want you to encourage each other. I want you to use those words of I love you. Partly because we need the practice. And partly because Jesus says, this is the thing that will make you stand out. This is the way I want you to to be known. Does everybody know what you're going to do? I mean, this is going to, you're going to have to get up. You're going to have to walk around, give hugs. If, if you want to go all the way to the Holy Kiss, I'm not going to stop you. Just you know, You might ask a stranger first. What I love about this is that this is so characteristic of the church God is building here at Aspen Grove. A church of love and family and acceptance. And so I know maybe there's a part of this that will make you feel uncomfortable, but I, but I also, I invite you to open those gates of love. Allow yourself to be loved. And let's love each other as if they were Jesus himself. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for your word and for its power. I thank you for the deep way it resonates in us. And God, I just invite that word to, to come alive in this space now. Father God, help us to love each other. Help us to, to, to love, love ourselves, God. Help us to, to, man, sometimes I'm so stingy with the love that you offer and, and, and I, I don't fully open myself to it. But God, in these moments, somehow move powerfully in us to open ourselves to receive all of the love that you have for us. God, let us speak on your behalf into each other's lives the truth of your love and grace and acceptance. Father God, we love you. Help us to love ourselves and help us to love others in your name. And in the name of Jesus, everyone together says, amen. Amen. All right, I invite you to stand, enjoy communion, and love each other.